Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hello, here I am again with another episode of your weekly Adventist Millennial Podcast. I'm excited for you guys to hear the interview that I have for you this week. Um, I reunited with one of my classmates from Bible Worker School, Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism, who we were in the same class 10 years ago. That's a full decade. I could hardly believe it. I literally hadn't talked to her since then. So it was fun to catch up and hear kind of her story and what she's gone through, um, what her perspective is on Adventism at this point in her life. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But I do have to warn you that the internet recording was a little bit echoey um, and laggy. So sorry for that. Hopefully you can still understand what we're talking about. Um, And it's not excruciating from the technical difficulties. Um, But before we dive into it, don't forget you can reach me at AdventistMillennial at gmail.com. You can always message me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at SDAMillennial. There's also the Adventist Millennials Slack space where we talk about interesting and fun things and send memes and roast each other and whatnot. So find us over there if you would like. Also, some of you said you liked last week's episode where I was talking about Christianity in Hollywood. And I just wanted to tell you guys, if you're looking for more where that came from, go on to Michael Rosenbaum who is Lex Luthor from Smallville, as you may recall. He has a podcast called Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Um, (laughs) So go listen to both episodes that he did with Zachary Levi, who is Shazam in the newest Marvel movie. Um, And listen to that, because Zach Levi has also a really interesting story about his Uh, faith and being in Hollywood and all that stuff. So I would recommend that if you guys are into that sort of thing. Okay, also go watch his show, Chuck. It was like one of the most epic shows of all time. Okay, so now here we go into this amazing interview. Enjoy. So first of all, thanks for being here. I'm so excited. It's been a super long time since we've even spoken. I know. So not only is this a, yeah, not only is this going to be an interesting conversation for the podcast, it's going to be like a chance to catch up. Right, right. I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah. So can you just share with us a little bit about who you are, where you come from? Um, Just kind (laughs) of, you know, give us the lowdown. Sure, sure. So um, my name is Jessica Minton and uh, I live in Northern California. Right now, I am working, helping taking care of my aunt and her cousins, and that's kind of also working on my degree right now at the moment, my someday degree. Oh, what are you um, in school for? <laughs> so it's like my never-ending degree to try and get a bachelor's in religion. Oh, nice. I don't know if I will. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm speaking positive thoughts. <laughs> I, um, I feel like I've literally have taken forever to try and finish it, and this is hopefully my last semester yeah (laughs) if all goes well so anyway so I'm almost there cool I guess I'll just tell everyone a little bit about how we know each other we went to AFCO which is amazing fact center for evangelism uh 10 years ago (laughs) like that's 
was it when did we get done this month it was spring years. 2009 yeah, so, so it was literally exactly like this is ago. the 10 year yeah. reunion which is yeah. insane um yeah. so so we you were like just down the hall um from where where kitty and i were rooming and and we kind of knew each other then and then we just kept in touch um and so we've reconnected now and i'm interested to hear you know what's been going on with you um in the past decade isn't that weird oh my gosh yeah <laughs> man and that's such a big question too i feel like so much has happened in my life in the last 10 years um it's definitely been a journey um as i'm sure it is for for quite a few people uh i grew up in a Christian home, not Adventist, but when I was eight, my dad remarried to an Adventist. And so that was my initial exposure to Adventism. Um, but growing up, we didn't go to the church all the time, but I still, at that point in my life, I um, was praying though. Like I, I think my first experience with the Holy Spirit, like I remember it so clearly was just sitting at the dinner table and we were praying and God just saying like, Hey, talk to me. Like I'm a real person, not just, you know, memorizing prayers and saying whatever. So, um, I prayed a lot. And when I was 10, my dad made us read for an hour at night. So I started reading my Bible. Um, and so from a young age, I've loved God and I've always felt called to mission work and to serve God. Um, and when I was probably about 16 or 17, started going to church consistently, which my only serious exposure to church was the Adventist church. Um, so that's whenever I actually kind of took the initiative to, to invest more. I did go to things like Pathfinders and, and things like that. And we'd go to church sometimes on the weekends if I wasn't at my mom's house. My parents were divorced, as mentioned. Um, so got involved there and I literally just like dived into everything I could. I was sitting on like nominating committee and personal wow. ministries committee, like all these things that I probably didn't even know half the time what they were. But um, I remember one day, distinctly, um, a very dear friend of mine, which you probably know as well, Sharon Yeager, she, um, she's like, have you heard of AFCO? And I was like, Aflac? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, literally just kind of like, what is that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think I saw some other advertisement for it, for it. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it. You know, I want to know more about God. And, um, whenever I went, I remember, being like, it was completely a culture shock to me because <laughs> even though I was going to an Adventist church, um, I had never been around so many people just like completely gung ho for, for God, but also very, it was a very much more conservative culture too than what I really understood. And there was a lot about Adventism that I think I just didn't really know um, up to that point. So I decided to go I think I quit eating meat like the week before I went because I was told you had to be vegetarian. And um, yeah, I think uh, that's kind of, you know, I think AFCO was actually a very serious turning point in my life because it did several things for me. It dumped me into the deep end of, of ministry and got me involved in things and really pushed me past my comfort zone to learn new skills, which was good. On the other hand, it was the first time I ever struggled in my walk with God. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's, I'm sure it's blessed many people, but that was just my experience with it. Um, I remember the week of prayer. I don't know if you remember. It wasn't even that far in. They did this week of prayer and it was just, it was so subtle. And um, it was just this like emphasis on, do you have any hidden sins or mm. something, you know? And it just like, 
just that alone, instead of having this faithful, trusting relationship, of course, God forgives my sins. It was like, well, wait, what about this? You know, and it was like this, well, how do I know he can forgive me for that if I never apologize to this person? And I feel like in that moment, Satan just came in like full force and he's like, God can't hear your prayers. And Mm. I never had experienced that in my walk with God. So that was, it was very subtle, but I feel like there was a theological emphasis there that, um, was hard to work through, but I'm actually thankful for. And, um, I can say that, you know, throughout my story. So this is like the beginning of the decade, (laughs) right? But I can say, um, through, for my story personally, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I don't regret any part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I can say that from the beginning to end. I have my opinions about things, (laughs) but I don't regret any of it because we grow, we go through things, we experience things and we grow from it. And um, I am far wiser than I was then because of it. Yeah, that's so. crazy because I remember that exact thing, like specifically mm. the whole like you have to forgive whoever in your life that you mm-hmm. haven't forgiven. That's something yeah. that is really vivid in my memory too, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Right, um, right. Awesome. So, so that covers like I don't think I even knew all of that yeah. at the time <laughs> when you know when we were there together because. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. I was just goofing off. I was just there having fun. Yeah. I wasn't taking it very seriously. We all loved so, you. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was part of the the wild child group, so yeah. But but so what's been happening with you since? What's your journey been like since then? Sure. Um so after Afco, I wanted to do something cuz I was like I don't want to just go back home. So I signed up. My sister was um going to be a student in the Youth for Jesus summer program. So I signed up to be a Bible worker slash counselor for that and did that. So Bible working in Arizona for a summer and also helping out with the kids there in an evangelistic series. Um, I think that was the first time that I was like quasi burnt out. And Mm. I think there's been like a few times. (laughs) Some of the things I really had to come to grips with, though, was um, understanding righteousness by faith. And um, I mentioned my experience in AFCO. I feel like parts of that kind of stuck with me. And somewhere in my experience in Army of Youth Ministries, like I was doing all these ministries, completely neglected my health, completely neglected my family and my friends. Like I was completely unbalanced in every way (laughs) possible, you know. I remember distinctly one day I was just studying and it was like exciting, you know, like Numbers 14 and uh, Hebrews 3 and 4. And I was just so just engrossed in like learning these things. I was taking all these notes. And at the end of it, I just felt like God said, hey, Jessica, tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. I'm talking to you. And the whole thing of it was you need to trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, that unbelief is something that um, basically alienates us from God <laughs> and mm-hmm. hardens our heart against God. And I realized that I had a lot of that to to work through. And so that was, I think, a pretty pivotal moment for me spiritually to um, come to a place where I could um, understand what it was to have faith in God and to just accept his salvation, right? And I think from that point on, I really grew more and more in trusting God rather than being anxious. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so yeah. What what do you think? What are some of the ways that the Adventist Church is struggling as an organization? Do you think there are specific reasons why people are our age are having such a hard time? 
I, I do think there's many reasons. <laughs> um, I think the biggest one, the biggest two, maybe, no, biggest three. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say culture, theology, mm-hmm. and then I was going to say gospel, which kind of ties into theology. Ooh. So basically everything, because those are all very broad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you expound on what each of, yeah. or what do you mean by each of those? So I feel like, um, we have a lot of history as Adventists. Um, we've been exposed to this going to Bible college. Um, I took an Adventist history class. Um, so I've been very educated on it. Just, we have a, we have traditions and we have, uh, beliefs that have been passed down to us that we cherish, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily bad, but as all organizations tend to do once they, um, kind of, I guess, immortalize certain beliefs, there's Mm -hmm. also a stopping of growth. And there's also, um, I think what has happened is because we've said, these are our beliefs. These are 28 fundamental beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which really is kind of more of a recent thing anyway. Um, From what I've been told, it wasn't, I believe, till like the 70s and 80s, they changed it um, and added more fundamental beliefs. But I feel like what happens is, our focus becomes all around that. And, um, it's a not of, a creed, but it's a creed. Kind yeah, of it, <laughs> it, it is a creed. And, um, even though we try to say like, Oh, we're, you know, careful about that. And we didn't want one in the beginning, but we have one. <laughs> like, yeah. let's just be frank about it. Like we definitely hold to, um, a set amount of standards and especially within conservative Adventism. Um, the way my friend says it is we major in minors Um, And this really, I remember talking with a friend and he asked me, I was like, I don't know what I said, but I kind of was like, yeah, I kind of changed in my theology. And, um, and he's like, in what ways? And then like the phone cut out and I was like, thank God. Cause I had to like think about that. (laughs) Like, how am I going to even approach this subject (laughs) with somebody that is conservative Adventist? And I remember like, whenever I got back connected with them, I was like, it's about the gospel. And ever since then I've realized it's not, um, there's certain things that I love about Adventism. There's things that I question about Adventism in terms of doctrine, but then there's one thing that I feel for me personally is a, um, is my foundation is my bedrock. Like that is like what I stand on and hold to no matter what. And that is an understanding of the kingdom of God and the gospel, um, and how that relates to, to, um, myself and how that influences theology. Like that is the framework that I feel like we should be operating from. Um, so I think, you know, we could be preaching against, I personally feel like I could be preaching against a lot of things, but I've just tried to, you know, be like, no, you know, my, I think what would do so much better. And this goes to the second part, I guess. Um, well, it's like part one B I suppose (laughs) (laughs) of theology is we need to focus on the gospel. And I Mm -hmm. feel like if we did, there's so many things that would balance out. Um, and can you uh define what you mean when you say that because i feel like if you were to ask most adventists they would say we do focus on the gospel (laughs) (laughs) even if that's not how it's perceived a lot of times from the outside or from you know burned out adventists so can you define when you say what do you mean by that right um i can't tell you how many times i've talked to 
church members and they say, I have to tell them about the Sabbath or I tried to tell them about the Sabbath or I gave them a track on the Sabbath. And I'm like, that's great. I love to tell people about the Sabbath, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the Sabbath the gospel? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it's just, we have this focus on certain things. Another example I could give, the state of the dead is a beautiful truth. Um, And the text that we usually use for that is 1 Corinthians 15. It's a great Mm -hmm. passage. And that's actually how I was first convicted on my understanding of the state of the dead was through that passage. However, that passage is about the resurrection. It has nothing to do with the state of the dead. Like, yes, we can conclude that from that. But if you read through um, the New Testament, if you read through any of scripture, you won't see it focusing in on these minute points of doctrine. You see it talking about the kingdom of God. You see it talking about the resurrection, talking about um, the good news of the kingdom of God and how we have salvation in him. So that's what Paul focuses on. That's what Peter focuses on, James and Jesus. Like these are what the gospel writers focused on was gospel. But us being the humans we are, we look at scripture (laughs) and say, but... Yeah, yeah, You know, that's nice, but, <laughs> you know, let me insert my understanding or what I want to hold on to. And while I think they're great truths, I don't think that they should be our message. It's not what we should lead with. In all honesty, I think that a lot of things, the way I look at it is the more that you know, the more you realize you don't know. And I think the honest truth is that if we don't realize that we can be wrong, then we will never grow. Mm. Um, so that's just kind yeah, of... Yeah, but... Adventists have the remnant truth. No, but for real, do you think that the the fact that Adventism has prided itself in having uh, unique doctrine has maybe unbalanced the emphasis um, because Adventism has been so concerned with separating itself from other Protestant denominations because of, you know, A, B, and C doctrines? that's um misplaced our focus oh yeah i think so i think that um the concept of remnant is a whole topic in and of itself (laughs) um that i could say stuff on but i think that um maybe just like we were saying before i think it it's become a creed um and i think that we've been so reactionary like Mm -hmm. reactive to false teachings that we've completely that's like what we've become is oh that's a false teaching so let us bring out the truth in that and there's nothing um outright wrong with that it's just whenever you get into debates about well even the the issue of like women's ordination you know or (laughs) yeah you know you could focus on those things which we we do a great job about telling the world where they're wrong and where we're Mm -hmm. right but in all reality somebody has a relationship with god i believe that they will be led into truth they're not going to be lost if they go to church on sunday (gasps) i just said that you know (laughs) they're going to be lost if they reject the voice of jesus in their life how about this that I just thought of? I, I hear a lot of from people who are still consider themselves um, strong Adventists and especially like leadership in the church. A lot of like worrying and hand wringing over 
oh, so many people are leaving, not just our generation, but a large part of our generation, millennials are leaving, Gen Z uh, are not super interested, even our parents' generation, mm-hmm. like Gen X, Gen uh, Boomers, right? just large groups of people are starting mm-hmm. to uh, f- become frustrated with Adventism. And I say a lot of worry about that, and like, how can we reverse this? How can we bring people back? Whatever. In a way, do you see that as a good thing if they're leaving in a rejection of something that is wrong, that's really wrong mm. and that's happening? And what would you, th- what do you think would be a good course of action? Mm. You're saying if they see something wrong in the church, like how should they respond? Yeah, like, or- I mean, all everything that you've just saying about um, misplaced focus and things mm. like that, if people are pushing back against that, Maybe it's not that we should be worried about how right. we should get them back, but realizing that maybe people are having taking issue because there's something really to take issue mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. Um, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for um, the Grace Point Adventist Church, which is in Rockland, I probably, and this is like, I'm going to sound super millennial right now, but I probably <laughs> wouldn't be going to an Adventist church. Right. Probably be going to a Sunday church. Why? Um, because especially when I started going, especially after dealing with massive politics and feeling so not just burnt out, but burned by the church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, going to a church that was focused on the gospel, not just in their theology and what they preached and talked about, but also in their practice and their culture. To me, that was like, this is where I need to be right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is healing. This is focused on what really matters. Um, and it's not focused on debating minute points of doctrine. Um, and it was just healthy. So I mean, would I ever blame somebody for leaving a church where the culture is unhealthy where they're not getting fed, you know, you go where you're called to. I guess that's something that I've been thinking uh, a little bit more about over this last year. There's a lot of things that I would say are even borderline spiritual abuse that I've seen happen in the church. Can you describe a little more what you mean? I've seen a lot of people who are in, that have uh, positions of spiritual authority. So Mm -hmm. pastors, teachers, um, hey, I mentioned Weimar, you know, and I've seen them, I've seen a lot of people suffer because, and this is, this is just the way our society works, is if you have a position as a spiritual leader and you say something, people take it seriously. People, um, people take it to heart. And I feel like leadership has a huge responsibility to be faithful in their calling and to, um, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the reality is that, is that our leaders do influence us. I've been taught theology at places that I've gone to that have massively affected my walk with God. I was anxious for years wondering if I'm like, God, how do I know that I'm like really saved? Or mm-hmm. how can I not be so anxious all the time in prayer, just being anxious? Um, and that comes from theology. That comes from teaching. And that comes from, um, I guess, people um, not being as faithful as they could be in certain positions. And um, I also see people in those positions of authority. Um, I've seen people kind of bully people mm. into being or believing a certain way. 
or guilt tripping people for doing something. And I think that that's where the abuse part comes in where it's like, no, that's not quite right. You know, I had a friend that was in a canvassing program and I think her cousin was sick or something. And she called me just like really confused about what to do and upset because this canvassing program was guilting her into feeling bad about leaving and saying, oh, you got to finish out the program. You're not being faithful and all this stuff. And then they gave her a cold shoulder. Mm. And they like completely dissed her mm-hmm. because she was choosing to be with family over finishing a canvassing program. Yeah. And to me, I'm just like, dang, like, that's not, <laughs> you know, like it's extreme to me. And, yeah. it, and it comes it comes from culture, but it's just this, I don't know, I guess it gets more into behavior and dysfunction (laughs) that can exist in well and that is a really good question because you know the reality is the church is filled filled with human beings and so you're always going to have some Mm -hmm. you know people falling short but then at the same time you do have to ask the question is what we're saying as part of our theology contributing to that culture um and i think that's something that i've struggled with i've personally had a hard time uh with the feeling that you're not allowed to ask some questions you're not Mm. allowed to um have some honest conversations just because you know it's just it's a little too far um yeah and so i think that's kind of what a lot of people our age are are really having a rough time with you know what what would you say to other people our age who have similar experiences <laughs> so I'm gonna give you my own personal very millennial answer okay. um, because there was a point in my spiritual walk and this was after my experience in San Francisco which I thank God for but honestly it was my quarter life crisis mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will um and a lot of things shifted for me there um theologically but also personally I just grew I realized I was in a very judgmental place and just like I changed as a person at that during that experience um and part of my change was realizing like being disenchanted with serving in the church and while that might sound like a bad thing to some people um it was one of the best things that I think ever could have happened to me um because I realized I had put the the church in place of God and I think this also hits on a very root issue. Um, and maybe this hits on, you know, I talked about theology and culture being being big issues. I think this hits on the culture side is I had um, respected the word of the church more than, or I feared the, the judgment of the church more mm. than I feared the judgment of God. Yeah. And um, I had to like psychologically, like I had to mentally work through that. I remember even because I knew that my theology shifted. And whenever I started going to Grace Point, I was actually um, like afraid to, to even talk to the pastor. I was like scared, like, is he going to judge me or something, uh-huh. you know? Um, I actually call myself a Christian more than an Adventist. I, I'm a Christian that belongs to an Adventist fellowship. And I think that that's important. Um, and I think it's biblical because number one, where did do, do denominations come from? You know, and yes, we have differing beliefs in all of these things, but they also disconnect us from an understanding of, and I get this from the book of Ephesians, is if you have the spirit of God in you, who am I to say that you are not part of his body, the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. And if you are part of the body of Christ, why am I segregating myself from you, right? 
So yeah. in my Adventist mind, I might be saying, oh, they're wearing jewelry. Oh, they don't go to church on Sabbath and their skirt's too high and they're definitely going to hell, right? That was like the judgmental attitude that I had um, after AFCO. I would call the Rockland Church rock and Rockland, you know, like kind of dissing it for because they had drums and other churches didn't, you know. Um, this is like the conservative culture versus um, a more liberal culture, but I have to know who I am and who my identity is. And if I understand me being a Christian solely in terms of Adventism, what happens if you take out some core beliefs of Adventism? The tendency or the temptation is to throw out Christianity, mm. um, to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I've seen this in friends of mine. I've, I have friends that are no longer Christian because of Adventism, yep. Yep. right? For so sure. they're connected. <laughs> um, and I have friends that are no longer Adventists but have maintained their Christianity. Um, and the difference, there's a huge difference between those two groups because I feel like yeah. one group has solidified themselves in Christ. They have given themselves room to grow. They have, they have freedom to study. They have freedom to ask questions, and they know um, the faith that they're grounded in. For me, I had to say it's all about the resurrection of Jesus. Like, And I remember um, when I would say I shifted in theology, I went through this existential crisis post San Francisco because I had these friends that were struggling and one of them came to me with these questions I'm like I don't have the answers <laughs> I don't actually know the answer to that question and so I had this tailspin of of questions in my own mind that I had to wrestle through and um like I said I'm I'm thankful for because it stripped away all the the clutter mm-hmm. and really for me it narrowed it down and said like who what's my identity at the, at the bedrock level, like, who am I? And I feel like bedrock level means Jesus had to rip out my foundation and like put in a new one, Yeah, <laughs> you <yeah>. know? <laughs> um, and he's like, this is all screwed up, <laughs> you know, this is crooked. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say to people is, um, that are maybe struggling with, um, wanting to leave Adventism or whatever is know your identity, know who you are in Christ. Like go back to what, um, identifies Christians all around the world. Um, there is more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Um, <laughs> I've heard this said than Alexander the Great. He was a physical person that lived and breathed and died. Um, atheists believe that. And atheists debate and have a hard time answering the question of how do you explain the empty tomb? I think that there is significant evidence for the resurrection of Christ. If he rose from the grave, I think there's significant evidence for Christianity, right? And I think that these are important things. Why? Because this is what our faith is based on. This is what connects us to Christians all around the world. Um, after that, if you're content in that, then you can ask hard questions. And really, I think we need to separate ourselves from the fear of the judgment of the church. Because the reality is, is you know, of course, people are always going to say things if you're stirring the pot <laughs> or yeah. changing the way things are. But um, God's given us a brain. He's given it to us to think. Um, because I have a different idea than somebody and I believe it with all my heart doesn't make me more right or more wrong than them. Yeah. We're all on a journey. We're all figuring it out. And someday we're all going to know the right answers. Um, but another big thing is knowledge doesn't save you. Um, it, you can know, have the Bible memorized and you won't make it to heaven. Look at Lucifer. His knowledge doesn't save him, right? It's that relationship with Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I think, Going back to those things, 
um, establishing yourselves in those things. I think that when you're confident in it, then we can be a means of um, really actually bringing change in the church, which I think a lot of people are afraid of. Yeah. But I think that um, even Ellen White says this, if somebody's a, you know, believes in, in her as a prophet of God or even as inspiration as an inspirational writer or counsel to the church, um, she says that we'll receive more light. So what is that supposed to look like? <laughs> we say that, <laughs> you know? but Adventists don't really believe that. Well, no, I exactly. think you made a great <laughs> distinction. Um, I, I think it's an important distinction because I think there is a perpetuation within Adventist culture that if you are going to reject Adventism, you might as well just reject Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's Mm -hmm. an interesting distinction to make between the people who say, okay, I see a problem with Mm -hmm. our organization that maybe I'm struggling with. That doesn't mean I reject my Christianity. And some people are able to separate those two. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of people end up throwing out the whole thing because Mm -hmm. of the struggles that they've had within Mm -hmm. the organization. And I think you're right. Those are two different kinds of people. Why is that? You know, why is it that if I don't agree with Adventism, I feel like I need to leave Christianity? And I feel like going back to, I kind of hit on spiritual abuse. And I don't know if that's too strong of language. That's just kind of in my mind what I perceive it as. But um, we don't preach hellfire, but we preach hellfire. Right, right. You know, where if you don't believe in this the way that I do, you're going to be lost. And I'm going to tell my whole church to pray for you. Yeah. You know, because, you know, your soul's in judgment. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And even this concept, and this is a big thing for me is the um, investigative judgment. This is old teaching. Yes, there's newer ideas on this theology that are out there, but the traditional understanding is your probation can close at any minute. Your your life history can come up before Jesus at any minute and and you will be judged. So what if I'm like sinning whenever my record comes up, I could be yeah. completely lost, right? That's what people say. Um, so we're we're like preaching fear to people. And why did I feel so much anxiety whenever I changed my theological opinion on certain beliefs? Why? Because I've been taught, hey, yeah. you're being a heretic now. <laughs> we literally have have reinforced um, our doctrine. Yeah, but what we, we've told people, like, if you don't believe it this way, you're, you are part of um, – those that are going to be lost. Babylon. Yeah, you're part of Babylon. <laughs> Thank you. You know, you're you're a heretic and you're, you're yeah. going to go to hell, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know? So. Okay, well, we're running out of time, so I want to wrap it up. But I would just, uh, I, I guess as a final thought, let's be honest. Millennials could sit down and rip Adventism up and down all day. Is there anything that you see as still, you know, really valuable that that we should try to preserve whether we're mm-hmm. you know starting something new or trying to reinvigorate what we have or right. or what do you think are the really good things that we should right. try to encourage our each other about mm-hmm. totally um i think there's a lot of great things in adventism and if there's one thing that i could say to adventism is we need to go back to where we started a place of open mindedness and investigation of the scriptures we need to be careful with the scriptures because honestly, I am biblically conservative, but culturally I am considered liberal. 
But let me tell you, there are so many conservative Adventists that are so liberal with scripture. And I struggle <laughs> with it where I'm like, they're not being right with the text. Like they're mm-hmm. actually abusing the text. So I feel like we need to go back to being serious students of the word and letting that truly be our guide. And we need to be reckless about it. And I think we need to let young people leave. A lot of people bash millennials. So, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of room to talk because I'm one of them. <laughs> but I really think that we can bring this church to a great place um, because we are willing to ask hard questions. And we realize there's people that don't want us asking hard questions. But the truth is they need to be asked. Yeah. We really need to dig deep and we need to know what are we standing on. Um and I think for a long time, I felt like I needed to be more quiet about my opinions on things. I'm realizing like, no, God brought me through these experiences for a reason. And I can't tell you how many people I've been able to open up with about my like different points of my experience yeah. and be able to share with them and encourage them um, to grow and to ask those hard questions and to, to really ultimately grow, grow closer to God. If we really want to be... Um, a great church that's God-led. I think we need to do more serious praying. <laughs> I think we need to knock down some idols, whether that be the church itself, mm. right? Whether that be culture, whether that be traditions that we've held on to, like all of those things can be stumbling blocks to really growing and seeking after God more fully and allowing him to lead us into places that, yeah, maybe it does seem scary, Right. But God never promises to make us comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we're growing in him, yeah, maybe it'll be uncomfortable. Maybe change is hard. Um, I don't wish an existential crisis on anyone. And to <laughs> me, that just says, you know, we have to go back to what grounds us. Um, and I think that I pray that um, with all the debates that we've had, especially like with women's ordination and things like that, that people start waking up and realizing like we're completely off track. Like we are a million miles from where we need to be. That is not the conversation we need to be having right now. Um, And I'm actually ashamed that we have that conversation because what are we about right now? And yes, we do need to to address issues in the church, but give people freedom to choose, you know, give them freedom to choose, give them freedom to learn and to grow you're not going to be lost. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's the biggest thing. You're not going to be lost because you're trying to figure something out. Yeah. You're going to be lost if you sit with your head in the sand, you know, um, and refuse to follow Jesus wherever he leads. To anyone who is really struggling um, with Adventism, their experience in the church, this culture, this institution doesn't define you. Um, and you're not going to be lost if you're not part of an Adventist church. You're going to be lost if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and to pour into that. Yeah. Um, and like myself, like I'm a Christian and I go to an Adventist fellowship. I connect there. Um, and, you know, so maybe finding a place, maybe you need to find a place where you're comfortable, where you can grow, which those are few and far between. But maybe that's a friend, too, that you can talk to. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and talking about it, because I feel like this is something that is lacking um, is people who are not only willing to ask the hard questions, but willing to publicly do that. So I appreciate your your willingness to do that. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will be able to identify with what you've had to say. You know, if you're in the Rockland area, anybody is more than welcome to join us at the Grace Point Church um, and our young adult group there. We do Friday Bible study, Sabbath school, all that stuff. We also uh, hang out and do a lot of things. So you can find us on Facebook. Cool. And if anyone's passing through, I would love to meet them or talk with them. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. 
This Adventist Millennial Podcast was produced by me, Emily. It was also ruined by me, Emily. With my terrible technical savvy and my bad internet connection, But thank you for making it all the way to the end of this podcast. You can sponsor this podcast by sending me huge handfuls of money in the mail. Like Yosemite Sam, I think all you have to do is put a stamp on it and it will come to me in my mailbox. If you're listening to this during Sabbath hours, it's okay, you can still give to my podcast. It's approved by Christ. He won't kick you out of the temple. Have a nice weekend.